Hey everyone, thanks for coming back to the Breaking Apart podcast. We have Sheena here, your host. And Harry. So, we hope everyone enjoyed our last episode. Today, we are going to be breaking apart spirituality. Yeah, it's an exciting one. Uh, I think we had this one uh, on our initial list of categories we wanted to touch on when we started doing podcast and uh you know it's a topic that you know Sheena and I have both uh had a lot of um changes over the years in terms of and experiences and um we were definitely raised on you know how how are you raised well just to dive right in um (laughs) so my uh my mother has been a practicing Jehovah's Witness since she was in Peru, like, back in the 70s, or actually 60s, I'd have to say. Um, and my father is a agnostic West Indian man from Trinidad. So even though, you know, he was raised with um, Hindu, like, traditions and customs, he, you know, he, you know, he chose not to follow any of it. And um, so I grew up in a situation where my father, you know, didn't really you know, force me to like believe in anything or say I have to be raised a certain type of way. My mother kind of took the reins on that when I was growing up. And from like the age of five up until almost 13 or 14, I was like going with her to, you know, the kingdom hall, which is what their, their church is essentially. And, you know, I didn't go far into it. I was mainly, um, you're going to keep my mother company a lot of times. Um, so you said to 13 just about 13 and I go occasionally when I was in high school with her but you know she understood that it was my decision to either you know follow through on it and mm. you make my own faith but you know like most kids and teenagers you start to ask your own questions and do your own research you on religion yeah well you know my mother she saw it as a way of like you know like staying like close to me and you know back then the theory was that you know uh like religion and god is a good way to keep your kids in line and unfortunately for you know her congregation which was a um all spanish-speaking congregation they definitely emphasized that as a way to you know maintain their household which was uh you know one of the you know the beginning of me seeing a lot of problems with that religion personally and kind of shaped, you know, why I have my stance on organized religion that I do now. Yeah. So you said something that, like, kind of, like, struck out to me right now. You said it was used to keep your kids in line. Well, there was a lot of talk about that. Like, you know, there was was meetings three times a week. Jesus. Um, There was a Monday night meeting at at the Kingdom Hall, then a Wednesday night meeting. And then a Sunday meeting, which was like, you know, your typical meeting. And how Wednesday... Long, and, and how long were those meetings? Wednesday and Sunday were two hours apiece. Monday was like an hour. And then Mondays turned into like, oh, we'll have it at like someone's house. So there'd be like different, you know, like uh, elders in a congregation who would host, you know, like the Monday. It was like Bible study. So it wasn't like as in depth. It was more of a, 
kind of like informal like meeting there'd be like coffee and cake afterwards and stuff like that and it's like a big social club yeah or, or that's how i looked at it but um then about three four times a year they'd have these like massive conventions and like all over the area in the northeast they had them up in like newburgh um then they used to have it in queens uh actually the uh old um uh, the old arena where the Islanders used to play hockey in Long Island was one place we went to also, like, years ago. Um, and then also the the arena in um, New Haven. Uh, so they'd have these, like, big congregations and pull in people from the whole region. And they'd have these, like, eight-hour talks. You'd have to get up at the ass crack of dawn. And my mother would drive up there, like, pack lunch. And we'd sit there for, like, mind-numbing seven to eight hours of just droning on and on about the same thing <laughs> over and over again. I mean, I tell you, for being one book that hasn't really been revised or a part two or a part three, they've squeezed the blood from a stone when it comes to the Bible. Keyword, mainly written by men also. Yes. I mean, that's, you know, as we get into it, that that's definitely, <laughs> you know, the more I started researching it when I got into... uh you know, middle school and high school, I realized that this, you know, it, it was, it, so a lot of it was built on a farce, what, you know. So what Bible does Jehovah Witness follow? The Bible is called the New World Translation. It's okay. not the King James Version. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. I didn't know. Yeah. And look, I, I would study the Bible because I found it a very interesting book. Like I thought it was a very... Yeah, I studied it too as well. Yeah, I mean, and for me, it was, um, I loved, like, the stories. Because some of them were, like, really fucked up. Like, there was, like, you know, there was a lot of weird shit going on and a lot of odd things. Like, um, like you know, you and I had had touched on, uh, on the topic of uh, onanism yeah. not too long ago. And, you know, you were like, what's onanism? And I was like, oh, that's a person who... Who, you know jerks off and you know spills his seed and um what was the quote that we were using though the why why are people committing onanism yeah something you had seen on tiktok i, I think see, yeah. and uh but you, you know referred when we were when i brought it to your attention you had referred something a quote in the bible that said that god would rather have you right so that was actually not a quote from the um, bible that was um but it was a very um I mean, you know, common correlation that like preachers and ministers and not just Jehovah's Witnesses, this is like all, you know, any like mainstream like Christianity or Catholicism. Um, if you go back to, um, uh, to, I think it was in the book of Genesis actually. Um, but Onan was, if I recall, one of the sons of Cain. Mm -hmm. And when Onan's brother had died, he was commanded to impregnate his dead brother's wife. And he didn't want to do that. Mm. So what he was doing was he was basically pulling out and like spilling his cum like on the floor. Like, so and he, homie was the creator of, of the, the pullout pull out game. He was the creator <laughs> of the pullout game. Um, so Onan was, I think, struck down. If I recall again, don't quote me. It's been a long time since I studied the Bible. But if I remember correctly, um, he was struck down for that. Um, spilling seed was the basis for how a lot of mainstream religions then started to warp that to say masturbation is bad. 
Um, it's not good to masturbate. Don't waste your seed. Seed is precious. Meanwhile, you know, when you're going through puberty as a boy, you know, you're coming in your sleep half the time. You know, you're having, you know, nocturnal emissions. You are, you, you, you're literally so full of semen that it's coming out of you even if you don't want it to. But to them, the act of grabbing your dick and masturbating it was a sin. And this is a whole other that you just talked about. I, I will refer to this where Mormons do something where they soaking, soaking. Oh my god, when I found out what that was about, yeah, that's some that's some shit. We'll talk about that later, though. I, I, yeah, I mean, I will say, I, I find religion fascinating, but also scary. Um, in the fact that it's warped and controlled so many people over the history of mankind um but it's part of our everyday life so to to break apart so they use the new world translation Mm -hmm. do they so the way i was raised is completely different from yours oh sorry and uh, all right so one major thing with the new world translation they took liberties with a lot of words that, for example, the King James Version has, you will not find anywhere in the New World Translation Bible that the, that the JWs use, you will not find any mention that Jesus was crucified on a cross. Jehovah's Wait. Witnesses believe oh, wow. that he was not crucified. They believe that Jesus was put on a stake And it was a word, a Latin word, word, I believe it was called uh, uh, Stavros or Starvos. But it was just a solid stake, no cross. And they believe that he was basically hung. So for the listeners, if you put your hands above your head together, Mm. and then they put the nail through it, so he was basically hanging on a single pole. They don't believe that that he was hung on a cross. So you will not find in their translation Mm. the word crucifix, cross, Anything is mm. not in their Bible because they don't believe it. That's why Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in the cross. Okay, that they don't believe yeah, that he that died on a cross. Um, even though there is, you know, historical fact that you know people were crucified on crosses. Yeah. Um, they believe, and I think the guy's name was uh, Charles Russell or Charles T. Russell, who actually founded the Jehovah's Witnesses. If you look up his tombstone on Google. He has a cross on his tombstone. So the JWs used to believe in the crucifix. But at some point to differentiate themselves, they decided to say, hey, you know what? We're going to say that Jesus did not die on a cross. And I started to see that there's a lot of liberties being taken with mm-hmm. this supposed sacred book that is not supposed to be modified or... Misinterpreted or... Well, yeah, I mean... You know, like I said, there's a lot of liberties taken. Mm. You know, then you talk about, you know, Mormonism and, and their book. Who was the guy? From, um, I forget the guy's name. Uh, don't ask me. I don't know. John. John. I don't want to say John Smith. That's <laughs> probably not correct. But there was. But, you know, he basically was like looking into. Forget, dude, there's a crazy story about how Mormonism was also founded too. But he was claiming he was getting these instructions from God that no one else could see. He was like had to like cover his head and read these like stone tablets or some shit like that. And no one else could ever see it. Meanwhile, he's coming out with these like papers and parchment of his written word that he's receiving from God. And yo, when you think of the amount of shit 
that Mormons own in this country and other countries based off of some whack job. And again, I don't want to offend anybody out there if you are a Mormon or if you are a JW. These are my opinions. Again, if you want to look this up yourself, please do. Google. Do your research. You know, you know go find an encyclopedia if you want to. You know, study sociology, whatever. But, you know, theology overall has always fascinated me. <laughs> it truly has. And, you know, that kind of put me on the path of being myself agnostic. I, I don't identify with a religion. I don't, you know, um, assume to know who the true God is. Um, do I believe in spirituality and energy and another realm that is above our understanding? I do. And I think the key thing that Sheena and I want to discuss is breaking apart the norm that, well, you have to follow a religion to be spiritual. You don't. You do not. Um, spirituality is all around us. It's mm. in nature. It's in the earth. It's in the water. It's in the air. Everything that we breathe in and eat and drink is spiritual on a level that no one wants to really sit back and like take a breath in and really think about mm. Um, but that's, you know, that's just kind of my opinion on it. And I know there's a lot more to dig into for sure. Um, and it's a very, very, um, you know, big topic with a lot of, uh, like talking notes and, and you know, we can go on and on for hours, but, uh, you know, and I'm sure we'll revisit this, this, uh, topic in the future again, and probably another podcast. Um, well, you, so you were raised JW, the way I was raised was... From what I remember, from what I do remember and from pictures, my mother was also practicing JW. Mm. And then my second oldest brother was sick. He was born sick and he was born with a, he was born with a heart condition and needed to have like a blood transfusion. Mm-hmm. And that's a big no no. It for for the JWs mm -hmm. that was a big no no. A big no no. And my father at the time was not practicing. So my mom was going and my father wasn't. So she was in between a heart uh, again bound by the rules of the religion. Mm -hmm. Um and my dad said, "No, we're going to do anything possible to save our son." Yeah. And I think from that I th I believe don't again I'm I'm not 100% sure though I believe them admitting and accepting the blood transfusion to save my brother's life I think like got her like disowned or like excommunicated from the expulsado as they like to say back in the congregation when I used to She was again expulsado yeah expelled from the from the from the from that hall Yeah and yeah. That, for me, sat wrong with me. Mm -hmm. So then my mother and my father, again, they ended up getting divorced. She had a boyfriend who was Pentecostal. Oh, boy. That was a whole other, like, shit show. Yeah. Women couldn't sit with the men in the pews. We had to have service every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. But each service was like three four hours long yeah the kids had to go downstairs for bible study mm -hmm. we couldn't wear makeup we had to wear skirts um it was some next level like 
shit, bro. Like, I don't even, like, want to even go back to that because it's just triggering. But then, so those are the two introductions that I had to organize religion. And then from those two points, I was just like, okay, I'm going to just do my own thing. And from then on, I like I always knew there was a higher being that's more powerful than us, but I could never really place my finger on it. Is it called God? Is it Yahweh? Is it, you know, so I always knew there was a higher being, but I never really touched upon it until I was introduced to the religion of Ifa. Now, before people start asking, okay, well, what's this religion? Um, I've been practicing Ifa for about now the past eight years now. I was practicing when me and Harry met. So Ifa, um, and to make our listeners aware, Ifa is spelled I-F-A. And the Ifa philosophy and the spiritual spirituality is about to be 8,000 years old. And it originated in West Africa with the Yoruba people of Nigeria. So it's a African religion. Now, keep in mind that Ifa is the umbrella. When you bring, when you see where the boat stops went on the slave trade, mm-hmm. you have different denominations mixed in. So Ifa mixed in with Catholicism is now Santeria. Uh, Ifa mixed in with another denomination is now called Hoodoo or Voodoo. Yeah. So, I just basically practiced the umbrella, and I was introduced to it from a former friend, former godbrother of mine, who introduced me to my former padrino, who is no longer in my life, but he did give me the stepping stones um, to definitely touch upon that, and this is what I've been practicing for the past, I'd say, eight years now. Um, no, Harry doesn't practice. He does allow me to freely practice when I tell him what I am doing. He's just like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And yeah. And, and just to like, you know, piggyback on what you're saying, you know, the thing that I think, you know, Sheena and I both uh, share is that, you know, even though we have our own views regarding like organized religion and like most mainstream religions, we also support people who do believe those religions. That's your choice to do that. Right. Um, you know, I would never, you know, call someone stupid for being religious or no. for following faith. Look, faith in general is a very strong, like, you know, superpower to believe in the unseen and the unproven. Mm-hmm. That's that, that, that's literally like, you know, faith to me is such a strong trait. My mother, like, you know, she's, um, like, you know, 76 years old. Um, you know, she is getting up in age, but you know, her faith is unwavering. Right. And your mom has gone through some shit that she's gone through so much that would make most people bonkers kind of say like, is there a God? And that's, you know, such a cliche. Why God, you know, like, is there a God? Why did it this? I think the key thing is that, you know, when I met Sheena, and she kind of explained like more about her beliefs. I was like, that's awesome. 
I, I said, you know, I'm not one to judge anyone or to say that what you're doing is, is like wrong or that it is the right way. I have nothing to say in regard to that. I fully support anyone's choice to believe what they want mm -hmm. to believe in. And, you know, she also respected my choice to believe what I want to believe in. Um, and in being like, you know, fully open with each other in regards to that early on in the relationship, you know, that kind of, you know, it's like, cool. So, you know, that's out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we didn't, there was no like, oh, like, is someone going to have to convert to this? And that? I don't, I don't think that that should be how it is. I, it wasn't I, a deal breaker for me. No, and, and no, and I think if it is, and if it was something that is a deal breaker, then maybe it's time to reassess the relationship that okay. you may be in. If, if religion is a, uh, a potential straw that might break the camel's back. Uh, but it wasn't for us. No. But, you know, for other religions and cultures, Brothers, it might be, you know, that well, is common. Remember that girl that you dated? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so a... quick sidebar on this, right? So there was some woman that he dated prior to meeting me. Yeah, a number of years before you. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was. This was three years before you, just about. It's recent. Yeah, it was, you know, yeah, along the line. But, um... <laughs> Anyway, you know, she was a uh, a girl who was going to my mother's congregation. And I wasn't going at all at this point. I would only go like, you know, like once a year for the... So their version of Passover is called uh, the commemoration. So they, you know, they celebrate it around Easter time. They don't call it Easter. Um, but you basically go there. You pass like a cup of wine around and like some like crackers, like some matzah crackers. Um, and this girl, you know, she'd been going to the congregation. She was from Columbia. She wasn't from here. Um, and she was friends with my mother and she would like come to the house sometimes. And I met her there, you know, kind of struck up a friendship and, you know, things like slowly progressed into like a relationship, I guess. Um, but I had warned her on the onset of that, um, don't think that I'm going back into the religion because I'm not and that ended up being such a foreshadow to what happened later on because uh as things were like progressing with with like you know her and I you know she was like you know living a double life which is a big no-no for Jehovah's Witnesses um they talk about that all the time that you're not supposed to be leading one life in the congregation amongst the brothers and sisters and then going out and doing something different. Now, when I was growing up in high school and middle school, when I would, you know, see these, these, you know, quote unquote, you know, good kids, you know, doing some like really like fucked up shit outside the congregation. I tell my mom about it and she'd be, oh, well, no, you know, that can't be true. It's like, ma. And like most of them flamed out, you know, they like, you know, left the religion. A lot of them were on the outs with their family because of that. And you know, I had uh, kind of warned her that, you know, this might be an issue if you think that, you know, if you don't think you can balance it um, and not try to, you know, like expect me to change, then, you know, this may not work out. And sure enough, it blew up. So long story short, um, yeah, I did, did, did uh, like date someone who was in the religion and it did kind of end up becoming a like point of contention for her. And she ended up, you know, breaking it off because of it. How unfortunate for 
<laughs> That's why you're with me. <laughs> um, yes, I am. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I have seen that religion does play a major role in most um, relationships, especially, I think I told you, when I, like, was dating some people, and I told them, that, like, my faith, they were like, oh, oh, you practice, you know, brujería, and things like that. I'm like, no, that's not what I practice. It's the least. <laughs> Uncultured I, swine. I, I could, but I don't, you know. Mainly what my faith for me is, um, is for my own personal mental health, for my own grounding, for, it gives me structure to be able to connect with my ancestors and connect with my orishas and our trip to Cuba definitely opened my eyes a lot. I think it opened up your eyes to what the faith was as well. And yeah, and, and you know the Cuba trip we took uh, a couple of years ago was um, definitely very eye-opening for me, and uh, you know um, learned a lot just from you know the origins of of the faith and um, how it's practiced in other countries too, and how right. it was a um, a mix of, like you mentioned earlier, where you had, you know, slaves taken from Africa and, you know, a lot of them were, you know, taken to Cuba, taken to Puerto Rico, to like Dominican Republic and, you know, kind of forced, you know, they were like forced to learn, you know, Catholicism mm -hmm. and um, they started kind of. They had to assimilate. Right. Because and being integrated. They were, right. They had to assimilate because they were punished or killed for even wanting to practice their own faith. Correct. And I remember um, one thing we did learn was that when um, Castro took power, he he said, you know, you can believe whatever you want to believe in. You know, he didn't uh, he didn't like force, I think, uh, for them to. To be like Catholic, if I remember. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, down there, it's like pretty, you know, like, you know, common that you have. The local people down there will like practice, you know, mm. both faiths, you know, like openly. Um, right. You know, they have like all types of like you know botanicas and and uh, like practitioners and stores, and they even have a museum for it as well. Museum they have a museum that we went to. The museum of Orishas. Yeah, which I, I think you know that was a good uh, like way to see how, and again, it's not that it's like the national religion there. You know, there are people there who are straight up just Catholics. Correct. Um. You know, but or they have they mainly practice Catholicism with yeah. a little bit of Santeria in there. Yeah. And it it was crazy seeing the we had a few ceremonies down there for me, ceremonies for you, and what definitely opened my eye about the faith was being able like I said like I mentioned before being able to connect to my ancestors. And getting these readings. And and at that time, I was pregnant with Ayana. Mm -hmm. So it was also like a spiritual tour and like vacation. But it was also our baby moon. And being able to experience that while I was pregnant 
was also beautiful for us. Oh, and I didn't tell you, like, because of, I don't know if it's the culture or because of the religion, there's certain things that you can't do when you're down there. Like, we had originally planned um, to go to the beach, but because I was pregnant, now you can't go to the beach and enter the water. Yeah, there was a lot of, um, you know, beliefs and customs that, and again, even people who don't practice the faith, still like heed the warnings so like they'll go and like talk to these you know godfathers and like godmothers down there they'll get readings yeah they'll get readings or they get spiritual cleansings yeah they'll get like guidance or you know things like that um and and, you know it's it's a very um very cool um you know uh, uh like synergy amongst the people um, the government, the culture, how they view all of it is like interconnected and, you know, everyone like works together, you know, Mm. which is great. There was a lot of community, um, a lot of, um, you know, camaraderie, you know, no one is there trying to like one up somebody else. Um, you know, they're all on equal uh, playing field. They're all just trying to survive and get by. Yeah. Like, yeah, like most people, like like us, like most families, you know, and, uh, I think, that was, you know, really an interesting trip. And, um, I mean, I think, you know, travel opens you up to a lot of what, uh, you know, the world has to like, you know, take on is, or, or what the world's take on spirituality is. Um, you know, there's just so much out there. I mean, I, I know like even if you were to travel to like Peru or like Trinidad, where my mm. father's from, you know, they have different beliefs there. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we do have experiences that, you know, have occurred to like, you know, each one of us. And I know like I, I did want to share one that occurred to me when, uh, when my grandfather passed away in Trinidad, um, about five or six years ago now, I can't really, no, it was about seven years ago now. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my grandfather, you know, I, I'd connected with him. I took a solo trip to Trinidad, um, you know, like the year before, um, that he passed away. And, I spent time with him and my father again, he, I mean, my grandfather, he was raised Hindu, but at some point he kind of also broke off on his own and started just kind of traveling, you know, travels what opened him up to so much. Um, he became a, um, a, a like practitioner, like, uh, he was a sun worshiper, you know, he didn't, um, he wasn't following a set religion or anything like that. Um, but he was very spiritual in the sense that he understood there was more to this life than what we saw. And, uh, my favorite line he told me was, uh, that religion is good for, uh, for children and old people studying for their final exams. <laughs> um, you know, and the thing that was interesting was, you know, his journey was similar to what I was going through as far as my spirituality you know, he also became kind of disenfranchised by like organized religion, you know, years ago. Um, and, um, he kind of struck out on his own and, you know, had a big family, you know, very successful man and, you know, lived till 92. And, um, you know, down there, I went down for the, uh, for the, the, the burial and, uh, you know, he wanted to be, um, uh, you know, put to rest in a, shortened version of the the hindu custom and which is usually i think like two weeks or like a week and change of like prayers on a nightly basis and like gatherings and uh you know food and 
And it was a very um, touching thing because, you know, no one was sad. You know, you know, people were, of course, sad he was gone. But, you know, everyone there was, like, you know, celebrating his life and, um, you know, culminating on the day that we had to go and, um, you know, have him cremated. Now, look, it, you know, talking about how customs and different cultures and countries and, like, religions work together in Trinidad, you can literally... If you have a loved one that passes away, you can literally go to the morgue and they'll roll homie out on an ice slab right in front of you. Jesus. <laughs> you so I remember going to the to the um, uh, to the funeral home where they were preparing his body with um, uh, with my two aunts and a number of my uncles and my father, and they just just rolled him out he was you know cold as ice and you know you got to touch him and you got to say your goodbyes to him you know like one-on-one -on -one if you wanted to and I was like this is so fascinating like you know none of it was like weird to me it was it was so like amazing to see it um and then you know the day of um his cremation look I never been to a Hindu burial I was not a, or, or sorry a a Hindu uh I guess a funeral or a cremation. I had no idea what was entailed of it, but me being a grandson, um, I got forced into a role that I wasn't expecting where, um, as customary, you know, the, the sons, um, uh, typically carry the casket of their father, um, from the top of a, a cliff, you know, down to the pyre that they built this like massive, uh, you know, wood structure. And, um, you know, you start by doing this, uh, these like, uh, like last rites almost kind of thing where you're walking the body and a priest is there, you know, saying prayers over the body. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I don't know what's being said, but they're sprinkling him with like incense and things. And, you know, my father couldn't partake because you know, he's an older man. He had a bum shoulder. Um, and my other uncle also wasn't able to partake. So, you know, the grandkids had to fill in and, um, when I tell you, my grandfather, and this is like one of like the like the more things I'll never forget that happened to me that was like a spiritual moment that I felt like something I can't explain to this day. You know, my grandfather had withered away to like, a, you know, maybe like a 110 pound uh, like corpse at that point. And it was open casket. He was dressed in white and a very, you know, small casket, you know, it didn't look heavy. And it took six grown men that initial lift when they placed him on the ground we had to pick him up and put him on our shoulders it was the heaviest weight i've ever felt in my life and i felt this like burning sensation that dug into my shoulder so we had to walk him down and stop three times what was the weirdest thing was each time we put him down and picked him back up it was getting lighter and lighter when we did the final prayer before we picked him up to bring him to the pyre we all picked him up like it was like, you know, uh, like picking up uh, like a T-shirt. And we put him back on our shoulders and we walked him. And I shoved his body into the pyre. I was the last one to touch him. And we put the whole casket into the pyre and literally sat there. And it was probably 300 people there at this, this, uh, the, this cremation outdoors. And we watched my grandfather burn up to a crisp. You heard his head explode. Mm. You saw his rib cage crack open. People were just sitting there singing, remembering him and his honor. And 
The wildest thing was when I told my father about that experience, I had a burn mark. Yeah, you said you had something seared into your Yeah, on my shoulder. shoulder. And um, I told my father about it. And my father's mother had passed away when I was much younger. And he had went down and did the funeral and... And and the whole uh, uh, the whole thing uh, for her back then, and he said, "You you experienced the weight," and I said, "Oh, so you know that?" And he goes, "That same thing happened to me when when your grandmother passed away." Um, he goes, "I felt what you felt," and he said that on 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 the last pickup when we went to pick up my grandfather. He had said out to himself, he goes, he goes, it's time for you to let go of this earth, dad. And, you know, he said that to himself again, my, my father was there as well. You know, he was, he was emotional, but he kept it together. But, you know, he knew what was going on. He knew that his soul was slowly letting go. It's... And it, it was, it was an amazing experience. I'll never forget. And, and to think, you know, like my, my, my grandfather knew the exact day and time he was going to pass in the hospital. And my aunt was there and he told my aunt that 6 PM when the sun starts to set, I'm going to be leaving to meet my maker. Hmm. And at 6 PM he flatlined and you know, I get like chills, like thinking about it. And it's like, you know, one of those things again, you know, spiritually, you know, like Sheena has also had experiences that have made us kind of reassess there's just like a for us and how we are raising our children you can be spiritually tied you don't have to believe in anything concrete but although you have a faith it doesn't absolve you of your choices correct which is the same which is why i have and i kind of have a small issue with organized religion because there are many people that continue to practice They'll be the most shittiest people. And they think because they pray or they're doing, they're paid, they're paying their, their, was it their tith? Tith. Uh, they also have uh, indulgences. That was big in the Catholic Church right. back in the day. You and could pay for your sins. Yeah. Confessional booth. You know, <laughs> because they do that, they can continue to be sh shitty people. But because of their faith, it absolves them of their of their choices. Yeah. It's like saying, I have a test on so-and-so date, and I know I have to study, but let me just pray. And I won't do any of the work that's necessary for it. And God will help me pass this. Right. And that's when it becomes a bastardized version. Uh, Correct. I mean, a version of what it would of of what the original intent, I believe, of religion was, and um, you know, the one thing that that you know, Sheena and I definitely hold firm is that, you know, we we strongly believe in karma, you, yes. you know, whatever you want to call it, you know. But my whole life has been seeing people mm -hmm. pay the karma when they've done me dirty or they've done yeah. you dirty. Yeah, you know, we we're strong believers, and you know what. If we react to every injustice that is done to us on a daily basis, we either wind up on a six o'clock news or mm. in jail or possibly dead. 
And the thing that we always tell ourselves is the universe will provide. Mm -hmm. They will find a way to balance the equation. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be immediately. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we've both experienced like serendipitous, like, you know, um, news of something like, happening. Like, oh shit, really? That happened? Yeah. And, and and a lot of times, you know, it just comes through the grapevine. Other times, you know, it it happens, you know, instantaneously, mm -hmm. karma. And, you know, that's kind of reassuring in a sense that... And that's where I go back to my faith where I'm protected by my ancestors. And my spirit guides, also what I refer to them as my Odishas. And if you don't do bad in this world yeah it won't come back to you yeah that's true and i think and if and if that's how you live your life mm -hmm. you're gonna you're going to reap what you sow yes and i think the you know like kind of getting into with our children and and how we're raising them is so the way that we've raised our children is we haven't really introduced religion to our kids like that it has already been mentioned to them so we have a son and he's already talked about you know why did god do this and why did god do that and you know we always have to sometimes intervene and be like whoa 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 god didn't do this these are the consequences of your actions mm -hmm. and reminding him that god is not responsible for this or whatever higher being there is out there is not responsible for that. You screwed up. You knew you were going to get punished. These are the consequences. And he takes a moment to reflect like, oh, okay, like this isn't God. This is me. And I kindly always like, we always have this conversation. I don't believe in the same God that most people believe in. Most people believe in that. I still have an issue to this day with the Bible, with the, with the mainstream introduction of what religion was to me. And the reason why I have an issue with it is because the damnation of women in the Bible, mm -hmm. the reason why only in the Bible, God only spoke to men. And things that were left out of the Bible, there's a book of Lilith that is not in there. There's so many things that, that, that was taken out because organized religion wanted to make it a certain way because it wouldn't feed into their cookie cutter like women needed to be subservient and listen and... Yeah, well, and, and, and also one doesn't have to look far in history to find uh you know periods in human civilization where religion was used as an excuse for horrible atrocities uh it still is to this day, to this day. um you know in in uh, various other parts of the world but you know it, it it you know you you run into a situation where a lot of the you know so-called rules of a religion were catered to you know subjugating population um to ensuring that the man was put in a certain uh, level above a woman at all times you know the head of the household when you really and, 
when you really look at it though Adam and Eve were created at the same time from the research that I've done Adam and Eve were so Eve was not created from Adam's rib they were both made from the earth created at the same time from the same level and now how did that correlate into the woman coming from Adam's rib well that's the story that a lot of the Bibles portray right that Adam was first God was like oh Adam's lonely let me you know make him a wife and he used his rib for it when uh, the real story is though Adam's first wife was Lilith correct Lilith was actually the first creation right um and she didn't she didn't she wasn't the subservient type no she didn't want to submit to him she didn't want to go by these rules that didn't make any sense and therefore she was banned from Eden yeah and I think you know that's you know when you look at a lot of the you know like texts that were lost or you know uh very um uh, uh, like you know, like omitted from from the Bibles, um, it it does beg the question again. Going back to what I mentioned before, is that you know what liberties are being taken with the written word hmm. from men? Um, and I think you know to inform the decision regarding you know you choosing your faith. By all means, um, if it's something that you're comfortable with, you know, go ahead and do that. Uh, but, you know, don't expect others to conform or also don't try to don't, convert others either, which I is... Mean, not only that, don't think that you're superior. Yeah. Or that you think is, your religion is the only way. Yeah, and that's a big, uh, a big issue with, you know, like even going back to like, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, they, they will literally tell you to your face that... No, your religion is incorrect, and they've—I've seen them do it. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a fascinating thing to watch that they're so sure of themselves and uh, so confident in what they believe in. Again, it is a gift, I think, to be that. I already have my own issues with that. That fervent in your belief. Oh yeah, and look, I still have family that are JWs. Um, you know, they still practice. Yeah, look, you know, it's not that. And, and, and look. Honestly, a lot of them, I, I don't speak to them, and it's not because of the religion. It's just that the religion has warped their has familial, yeah, um, like instincts. Like they don't view family like a normal person would. They view it as this rigid structure that um, has to maintain to these things. And you know what? If you don't follow what I believe in, then you know we can't have communication. And it's a very, you know, it's broken apart families. You know, I've seen it myself. It's it's a very sad state of affairs for people who take it too far, take it literal, um, who, 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 who become so fervent that they can't see it a different way. Hmm. I think with like, talking about like familiar for me, for my faith and my spirituality, it's definitely been a pivotal point in my healing in regards to like how I see things, how I react and how I am able to, I say, let's, I say intuitive 
and how people are towards us, towards you. I'm able to just pick up on things and just like, I'm not going to like call it out as what it is. I'll end up finding out if this is what this, this person's like true intentions are. And long behold, like, cumplido, like, oh shit, like, this is, I remember I told you, like, when a certain person contacted me, and it was out of complete nowhere, and I was just like, no, I can smell it already, this person hit me up for something specific, and by the second day that they were talking to me, already asking me, like, can you do this and do that for me? Yeah. So it's like picking up on that intuitivism and tapping into certain energies that you already possess. What is something that I always tell MJ? Like, we were created in his image. That's what's always been said, right? So I tell MJ and I tell Ayana, we are godly. We are beyond powerful that we can ever imagine and he looks at me and he goes really mom like yeah mj you're you you're godly you don't know how much power you hold and i think that like boosts his like confidence but at the same time when i think back at his age i was already being like forced to go to these religion classes and Bible studies. And I had so many questions. Yeah. And why is it that murder was banned, but God was allowed to kill all these people? Yeah. Why is it that abor- supposedly abortion is so bad, but he killed all these babies and was willing to sacrifice sons? Men were willing to sacrifice their sons in the name of this God. that's the problem that I have with organized religion and when I ask these questions to say to brothers or to pastors um, they couldn't give me an answer no and you know you never will get an answer the you know the old saying that oh it's God's will well there was there was one book that literally like made me change the way I viewed religion it's called, hold on. It's called The Genesis of Justice by Alan M. Dershowitz. And I think I told you about this book. It was literally putting God on trial for all of his sins. And when I started reading the book, it was just saying, like, that's what had me have my whole, like, oh shit moment about, like, and I always tell people, like, I don't pray to the same God that you pray. But if you have a moment, it's a, a really amazing book. Um, the Genesis of Justice. Um, it, it will literally open, give you a, pivot, a pivotal point, point of view about how religion is viewed and how God is tried for all of his sins. And he stands trial. He has to answer for every one of his sins that he committed in the Bible. And moving forward, though, I definitely want to talk about, like, people using their spirituality for their mental health. Because it's definitely helped me a lot in the healing process. But So I started 
let's say I started therapy in this December, November of last year. Yeah, November. And we're at now this point. And I feel like I've grown into a different person than what I was last year. You have. And the way I react, the way I... I'm able to just take a moment and not just sit because the old me, and I'm always very adamant about it and very open about it, the old me would be a firecracker. I would react angrily. And that was who, that was what my identity was all about. But now I'm able to just like decipher things. Oh shit, like, like the movie, the, the show Loki was a very pivotal point for me. The movie Venom, which I freaking love. And like the character Hulk. Yeah. Like so when I see myself and like I don't I don't want to say I see myself, but when I see the character representation and I see the movies happening, I'm like, bro, like for me, it's like this is who I am. Like, this is what I represent. So I went from the Hulk to being accepting this is who he was. And finally not hiding it anymore. I've, I think we've t- I've done some research on, like, allowing your shadow egos and your taking over, your Lilith side taking over. And I had those moments when, before I met you, but I didn't know what those were. And when you when you deny yourselves that side of you, it's going to eventually come out. Which I've which is why I've always hated that term, out of character. Because when you're under the demise of liquor or a drug, it's who you really are. Eventually, comes out. That's just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm pessimistic. No, I think that's... Uh, and again, getting into the the other side of... Spirituality. Yeah, I mean, spirituality and, you know... And again, applying it to ourselves. I think we start to learn that there are different layers to every single one of us. And um, sometimes they come out when you least expect it. Sometimes you have to dig for it. Um, but being cognizant of it, I think is the first step in recognizing that it actually exists, you know, different levels to yourself. Um, Mm. each one, you know, more in tune with the spiritual side than others possibly. Um, and knowing how to, you know, turn it on and off is really the, that's like the golden ticket. If you can find out how to do that. Um, I've mastered it. Yeah. I mean, there are times when you need that and, uh, also just recognizing when it does try to come out which is the other yeah. thing Can, to be aging your demons yeah 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 right and being aware of it um but you know spirituality again i think it's a you know again this topic could go on for hours, hours. right yeah. in regard to you know things we experience and things that we you know have opinions on in regard to it but um i think you know for for me the key thing is you know trying to be more in tune with 
yourself and your surroundings and the loved ones around you is all that to me is like food for like your spirit. Um, you know, um, but also, you know, trying to do good deeds without being told or being noticed. I think all these things, when it helps uplift you and you feel that, that like, that like connected spirit that you feel, whether you're helping family or friends or, you know, a stranger, um, I think that's that fabric that we don't see. That's the. I think in our day and our day and age now, with like social media and things like that, what I don't like is when people record their good deeds. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. And they post it online. Like, just do the good deed. You don't need to be freaking commended online for your good deeds that shit bothers me yeah and unfortunately in the court of public opinion now with social media You're validated right i mean validation is you know i think taking away from a lot of that spirituality where you know the things we're doing are no longer being done because we feel that it's the right thing to right. do we're doing it because other people are doing it right. and uh you know i i would uh, love to see us get back to where you know, we're all more in tune with our, our spiritual needs, you know, along with our physical needs, but, but, you know, the mental, spiritual, and physical are all kind of linked together. You know, they all feed off one another. Um, and I think for us, you know, being able to identify it and to nourish it and feed it is important. Um, and to remember, you know, and know that the ones that may not be with us anymore are still with us. And, uh, ancestors. Yeah. And again, it, the ones who paved the way for us to be here. Correct. A lot of like what my faith is, is giving offerings to our ancestors and to the Odishas and praying and asking for their guidance because they've already lived this life, but also asking for for them to understand that we're in a complete different age and time but I need the, I need their guidance to find my way and a lot of that takes a role in digging deep remember earlier this year I did my ancestry DNA test and finding out like you have like this calling And then to find out that I'm a certain percentage of indigenous. So that allowed me to open up so many doors in regards to my lineage and connecting to people, connecting to my ancestors who I know wanted me to succeed. And a lot of that just ties into like wanting my children to also look that way as well yeah and i think that's the you know the ultimate goal is to but i also don't push it on them correct i yeah. do i'll and do we never will right and i'll do little things to like blessing ayana and mj with agua de florida <laughs> or cascarilla or you mm-hmm. and or doing little rituals here around the house and I just incorporated it. So it's your lifestyle now. 
Yeah, and it's been something that, you know, has been a learning experience for me too. And, you know, um, seeing all the things that, like, you've been learning along with the applications of it and how there's this, this, like, balance between, you know, um, you know, different, uh, like, herbs and, like, plants and, mm. and uh, foods and what it represents to to the spirit realm and and to the, your ancestors right, to the physical realm and making that connection yeah which is like kind of why i wanted to why i've picked up on gardening yeah, yeah and growing our plants and things like that and making that connection but talking about connections though it's funny because we watch these like popular tv shows mm-hmm. and like these movies and I think I met I mentioned in one of my stories venom. And the notion of venom for me is the body or let's say okay Eddie Brock yeah. is fighting with who he truly is. So he has two sides of himself. He keeps referring to himself as the loser, I was no one before this. But then he has his shadow ego that finally takes over, and that's Venom. And when Venom comes into play, Venom does whatever the fuck he wants. But it's truly Eddie Brock's true intentions. Yeah. And he fights with himself every time. Do I give in to this indulgence or do I not? Which is why, like, I honestly love Venom. Like, the character representation. Being able to just, sometimes you just let go and you have to let your shadow ego take over. Yeah, and I think, you know, that that story, um, you know, and the movie itself, you know, kind of like, you know, brings back a lot of what I think is the, um, the like the basis of, you know, getting in contact with that other self. And again, we may have more than one self inside of us, there may be multiple um, and they, they, they all operate on a different level, um, of instinct. Yeah. Right. And I think the, you know, having that like duality inside of yourself is, um, I think a lot of us have that, um, whether or not most choose to acknowledge it is another story. And, um, but I think the spirituality plays into that heavily as well. Um, and, you know, trying to do whatever, you know, you feel is right to cultivate it on your own terms, I think is even more important. Um, no one should be, you know, telling you how and what to do things and why to do things. I mean, yeah, look up the reasons why you're doing this. Think about it, meditate on it. Reflect. Correct. But it's definitely important to, you know, take it on your own pace too. Um, you know, uh, like becoming more spiritual is, um... Not something that comes overnight. No, it takes freaking... Well, I don't know. Maybe some people have an inkling for it, and it just comes to them. Well, sometimes it's an event, too. That's true. That will force someone to recognize that there is something else out there, that there's another side to either themselves or to the energy around them that is um, that they hadn't noticed before. Right. It's... It takes, I think I've always told you, it always takes, I don't know, for me, the way I've seen people supposedly change, it always takes a shitty event in their life for them to do the complete 180 Mm. 
Mm. That's true. And that's something that we've all <laughs> seen either or it's, experienced ourselves. It's never ourselves. truly the 180, though. Remember, they've no. only learned to cage certain parts of their demons to finally be able to live among society and do what society deems correct. Yeah. Or acceptable, I guess. That's very true. That is very true. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, there, there there's so much more we could, you know, talk about as far as like specifics. Um, if you guys have any questions. Oh, I think I mentioned earlier about soaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just to just to tie back to that one. And again, this like you know, this topic specifically as to like different religions, I would love to you know, dive into more, but, um, you know, we, you know, as we study and learn different things about, you know, the society and time we live in now, you know, we came across that, uh, so what I ended up finding out was within the Mormon culture and religion, soaking is something that, again, these teenagers, I guess, are full of hormones and they can't get released, but because of religion, they won't touch themselves and they also won't engage in sex because it would be considered premarital sex so what soaking is is that the man the boy whatever will stick his penis into the girl and it was just soak it just sits there (laughs) they won't thrust they won't move because if they thrust it's considered sex Mm mm-hmm But then I've also heard that while you're soaking, let's say you're soaking in a bed or a car and your best friend will or yeah, I'm assuming your best friend will jump on the bed. I'd certainly hope so. It'd be odd to ask a stranger to uh, (laughs) do that. So they will jump. So their friends will jump on the bed to make like the motion but because they're not doing the motion, mm-hmm. it's not considered sex. Correct. Yeah. So for me, that was completely mind blowing, and I thought, like, come on, bro, like this has got to be some next level. Like, well, it's I don't not... want to take accountability for this, but it feels so good. That I have to do it. No, listen, it's it's um, it's very similar to the stories that I used to hear from, like you know, the Catholic school that we used to play in football all the time. That the girls only had anal sex because that was okay. That vaginal was not okay. So you always oh hear God. these, uh, like these stories about, like you know, like oral and anal is fine. I'll do all this other dirty shit. But isn't but that considered sodomy? It is. But remember, sodomy is anything that does not go into vagina. So oral sex is technically sodomy. Right, so, but isn't that condemned? Yeah, it is. But again, you know, shades of gray we're working with here. Um, they, they will find whatever loophole literally is there to, uh, still experience, you know, physical, uh, stimulus, man. Like, fuck. I think we, (laughs) this is where I, 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 I always talk about where religion needs to stop damning physical needs. Because I think if we were more open about what sex actually is. A lot of our boys and girls would be definitely educated on it. And there wouldn't be a lot of, like, I don't know, rapes. I, yeah, I... And I wouldn't be a lot of, like, 
taboo tab topics for me. Well, look, there's a lot of repression. That's just for me. Yeah, repressing those well, physical urges. Look, I mean, let's. I mean, look, this the, this country was founded by repressed Puritans. I mean, That's these are true. people who who left their country because things were too wild in London. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that has informed so much of the cultural religions and the mainstay religions we have in America. And uh, a lot of them, like I said, I haven't met one person or one religious group who has encouraged safe sex, encouraged, you know, um, sexual health and, you know... Um, we should create our own religion. That would be... <laughs> That's a great idea. Excellent idea. Let's create our own religion. That'll be totally open to anything. And freedom of expression. And freedom of love. And love who you want. We won't be taxed. Well, that is one benefit that they do share as well. But uh, I think think it is a great topic to discuss. And one that, you know, like I said, this is like scratching the surface. And... You know, I'd love to revisit other, like, more specific, um, you know, breakdowns and breaking aparts of... Um, religion, not just spirituality. Religion, uh, you know, subsets of religion. Taboos. Um, taboos around religion as well. We can fill multiple podcasts with this stuff. Yeah. And uh, But it was one that was on our mind recently, uh, you know, for Sheena and for me. And, um, you know, as we as we get like closer into the holidays and you know, being around family and uh, you know, the soon wrapping up of another year, you know, these things all start to come into, you know, view, you know, uh, your spirituality, you know, your love, your, your family, um, and you know, your mental health, I think. Uh, it's big. Yeah. And it all ties together, man. Like, you know, they always say, you know, trust your gut. Hey, you know, sometimes that gut is, you know, your ancestors, you know, talking to you from afar and mm-hmm. telling you from the other side, wisen the fuck up and make the right choice here. Put your foot down. That too. And all of that spirituality, man, all of it, you know, like ties back to that, you know, unseen force that does exist in this world that we all believe in. You know, we all see it. We all feel it. Um, you may have not experienced it yet, but trust me, it's there. It is there for you. Until I guess, the good and the bad. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to us and the Breaking Apart podcast and Breaking Apart Spirituality. This is your host, Sheena. And this is Harry. Thank you so much, guys. Let us know uh, how it was for you growing up in religion. Did you grow up in religion? Uh, Did you find yourself, you know, in religion as you got older? How are you raising your kids in regards to religion? Thanks so much, guys. Have a great night. Bye.